When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're reading the book of Daniel, a fascinating book that happens in the time period of the exile. And maybe you're feeling a little bit like you're in the exile today. So this message is for you. I'm glad you're here. the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king of Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye shew the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can shoot me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon earth that can show the king's uh, matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom, to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, "Why is the decree so hasty from the king?" Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paula.
the story of Daniel is a story of dislocation, of exile, of horrific hardship. And yet in the exile of this young man from his homeland, from his people, we see God at work in his life. They've already gone to Babylon from their home in Jerusalem. The Babylonian strategy is to take the best, smartest, most noble or best educated people, especially young people from their homelands, bring them to Babylon where they become public servants, but never quite trusted enough to take over the kingdom. When you're a king or an emperor like Nebuchadnezzar, you want competent people running your empire, but not people that will take over your empire. And so this is the perfect solution for him. Daniel may be a eunuch. He is the head of the eunuchs, is his boss in the beginning. Um, not really sure about that, but the fact that he is both a magician and being uh, governed by the head of the eunuchs points to his uh, shifting identity that we can see in the book. He is numbered among these Chaldeans, these magi. This is the same term used for those mysterious figures who show up to worship Jesus from the east. Definitely a connection there because, I mean, it's the same, same idea that's happening, the same profession. Astronomy, astrology is the oldest science there is to look up at the heavens and say, what time is it? What, what's going on? Uh, where, what are these heavenly bodies that move at different times of the year and night? Uh, this is the community that he's involved in. And the interpretation of dreams, another scientific mystery. You could uh, do your own science and interpret dreams. You could write down your dreams every day. Some of you may do that. Um, and write down the dreams of everybody that you've ever met and have a whole group of people studying what dreams mean. The interpretation of dreams is an ancient science, uh, certainly subject to all sorts of opinions and beliefs and other things that we might not consider science, but that's essentially what uh, we have. The Babylonian culture goes further back than Daniel. The Code of Hammurabi comes from this part of the world that's older than the Mosaic Law. Even our um, our days of, of um, even our calendar is ultimately a Babylonian calendar that goes back really far. So this this is uh, Daniel in this environment of these learned men that are called to account by the king. Uh, he has all these learned people, including Daniel, um, come. He is troubled in spirit. It's not a good thing when the king is upset. And in this story, the king gets upset a number of times. But Daniel has faith in God. Uh, he has faith that God will tell him what he needs to know. And it is this interpretation of dreams that sets him apart from his fellows. He's already done some of this with their dietary laws and other things that they've had to do in this land. But now it is this interpretation of dreams that will become his calling card in this kingdom.
But we see that this book of Daniel is, is also trying to show us that there is a different kind of wisdom with God. There is the wisdom of this world that is pretty accurate most of the time and can help us live our lives. And we need to learn that stuff. Um, certainly, these Chaldeans and others are not, um, not without intelligence. But there is a different kind of wisdom that comes from God because God is sending messages to Nebuchadnezzar. He will do that throughout this book. Nebuchadnezzar is the king that destroys the temple of God in Jerusalem. He's the king that exiles God's people. He is a bad person in this story. Um, and yet, God is talking to him almost as much as he's talking to Daniel. God is talking to all these characters through these dreams and visions. God is at work in the world. It is hard to believe sometimes that God is at work in the world, especially when we feel dislocated. We feel like we're not in the right place. Daniel certainly was in that sort of situation. Um, and yet, in this situation, he listens to what God is saying. And he's not afraid of what this king can do to him. He's been through a lot already. Um, and so when this king flies into a violent rage and demands that all these people be executed, Daniel could use this as an opportunity to sort of get ahead, but he doesn't. What he does is he listens to what God is saying. And I think that's an opportunity for us to listen to what God is saying. What is God saying to us today? How is God calling us to listen to the dreams of those around us, to hear them, to interpret them through the light of God's light? Um, even though we are dislocated, far from home, uncertain of the future, God is still speaking. Amen. Today is the feast day of Juana Inez de la Cruz. Juana Inez de Aspaje y Ramirez de Santillana was born uh, as a legally illegitimate daughter of a Spanish captain and a Creole woman on November 12th, 1648, in the town of San Miguel, Nepalanta, near Mexico City, Mexico. So this is uh, many years after the Spanish conquest of Mexico. It's still a, Mex uh, still a Spanish colony at this point, I believe. Yes, it is. Um, raised by her grandparents in Amacamea, Juana Hinez established herself from a young age as a talented thinker and writer. She is reported to have learned to read and write by the age of three, to do accounting by the age of five, to compose religious poetry by the age of eight, to teach Latin to children by age 13, and to master Greek logic by adolescence. Prevented from university studies in Mexico City because she was a woman, Juana Hinez continued to study privately while serving as a lady-in-waiting to the uh, vicerine Lenore Careto, who also served as Juana Inez's tutor, confidant, and friend. By the time she was 17, Juana Inez was able to sit before the, a tribunal of theologians, philosophers, justices, and poets 
to defend her knowledge and skill, thus expanding her renown as a scholar and poet. She began, um, or she spent a short time in 1667 living in a cloistered monastery of Carmelite nuns, but found the community's discipline too severe to allow her academic and creative genius room to grow. In 1669, Juana Inez entered the monastery of the Order of St. Jerome, Hieronymus, a more relaxed community, and took the religious name Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz. Sister Joan, like Joan of Arc, Agnes, of the cross in English. Sister Juana Inez's literary career blossomed in the monastery, which drew both the affirmation and ire of ecclesiastical and secular society. Her detractors insisted that a nun had no business writing about secular studies, as such as philosophy or natural science, while her admirers praised her concise theories and elegant prose. In the midst of a very public intellectual career, Sister Juana Inez managed to balance religious devotion and life in community. She is claimed to have said, one can perfectly well philosophize while cooking supper. Giving in to the threats of official ecclesiastical censure, Sister Juana Inez stopped publishing her writing by 1693. Following her retirement from public intellectual life, Sister Juana Inez is reported to have sold her collection of musical and scientific instruments as well as her library of more than 4,000 books. Of her extensive correspondence and publications, only a few of her writings have survived, but she is hailed as a major figure in indigenous Mexican literature. She died on April 17, 1695, while serving her religious community during an outbreak of the plague, so serving in times of sickness as well. Almighty God, source of all knowledge, we give you thanks for the witness of your servant, Juana Inez de la Cruz, in her fierce passion for learning and creativity. Teach us to be faithful stewards of our minds and hearts, so that following her example we might forever proclaim the riches of your unending love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh. And hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.